Okay. Quiet on set and action. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the pod. If this is your first time with us, welcome to this brand new podcast where a current and ex-student athlete sit down and have real discussions with other student athletes and ask the questions that nobody really asks. My name is Ariana Fernandez. And I'm Maya Falcon. And today we have another very special guest with us. He is a multiple time national team member in life-saving sport, Jacob Meese. Hi, Jacob. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, no worries. So um, life-saving sport, for those of you listening, you're probably like, Maya, what are you talking about? Like, what is that? So Jacob, why don't you give us a little bit of a description of what life-saving is? Because it is a pretty small sport here in Canada, but it is quite big other parts of the world. So why don't you delve in? And Yeah, so uh, life-saving sport is a humanitarian sport um, revolved around the skills that a lifeguard um, holds. So in order to become a life-saving sport athlete in Canada, you have to hold a base certification of your bronze medallion. Um, which teaches you some basic skills in how to be a lifesaver. And so there are different kind of portions of lifesaving. There's the pool side and there's the um, surf side, which is the beach. The way you train for pool events is swimming. So the events start from 50 meters to 200 meters, uh, and you use different sets of equipment to perform different races. So for, let's say there's an obstacle swim. So it's 200 meters. Um, There's an obstacle at... 12 and a half meters from each wall and you have to swim up to it, go underneath the obstacle and then continue to swim. And so that's more of just, that's more of a, you know, typical swimmers race, just with the one kink in the middle. So the beach is a, these are more, these are a bit longer races. So in the pool, you know, you've got your 50 to 200 meters, um, you know, three minutes or less per event on the beach. We've got a combination of different events where there's swimming involved, running involved, prone paddle boarding. So that's where you use your arms as the paddles instead of using an actual paddle and you're laying down or kneeling on the board. And then we will do something called what's uh, what's called a surf ski, which is a open water kayak. And so we use these equipment to race around different set courses. So the set courses will usually have three buoys out in the open water. And we start at the beach You usually run into the water and you go and you race around this triangle and then back into the beach. So it's kind of a U-shaped course that you have to complete, starting from land, going around the course and finishing on land. From my understanding, you are more of a beach athlete, right? You do both, but that's your primary one. Yeah, my primary is surf. I, uh, I'm not very good at pool, but <laughs> we try anyways. So obviously, based off that description in itself, it's pretty clear that it is a pretty unique sport because it has so much real life application to it in the, comp- like, in the sense of the competition. So in what way does it make it so special to you? And how did you really get into that sport? Because, you know, it's not something that most people know. Yeah, so uh, for me, it was I was... 10 years old i started because my dad um, brought us into the sport he he did it when he was younger and so uh he's a big advocate for the sport now as well and he was the one who brought us uh brought my brother and i into the sport and 
ever since we just kind of did it once a year and we ended up being quite good at it. Um, and once I turned 15, there was a chance, there was an opportunity for me to be um, a substitute on the youth national team. And so I took the opportunity and that's kind of where it all started. I started training for real instead of just kind of showing up and doing the event. And that's, that's where it all started for me. So tell us more, like, is it, is this something you kind of do with a team or is it something you do individually? Yeah. So it works the same way as swimming would or track and field would. It's a club based event. So everybody belongs to a club and there's individual events as, as well as relays. So you kind of participate with your club. Your club can be as many or as few people as you want. And yeah, so we, we base it like that. It's like my club. Uh, my club, it, it consists of three people. Oh, very small. Yeah, very small. <laughs> oh, wow. right? It just really depends on the dynamic that you have in your area. So yeah. for us in Durham, there's not many people who participate in life-saving sport. Mm-hmm. And so we're a big demographic, small interest in life-saving sport. Right. But if you go somewhere like Soggy and Shores, they have programs like life-saving programs involved in their community and in mm-hmm. their towns where they, you know, they offer it as kind of a sport and an opportunity for you guys to go and practice and try it. And, uh, and so, yeah, that's kind of how it's, how it's done. Most of the year for me, my training partner and those on my team are 30 plus years old master's oh, okay. athletes yeah <laughs> sorry sorry Allie respect um, yeah. <laughs> shout out Allie Ferguson yeah. Yeah. and uh and so throughout the year I'm mostly training at home on my own you know I go to the gym I'll go for a swim I'll go for a run and so that's kind of how I train on a regular basis we don't have coaches really it's mostly just kind of trying to help each other out Oh, that's crazy. Oh my God. I mean, like coming from, I guess, like a swimmer's point of view, like my point of view, it's hard training by yourself. Like it's hard to keep yourself motivated. If you're swimming, if you're training by yourself, like how do you keep motivated? What motivates you to do all these things? Like go to the gym and swim and run. Cause if it was me, if I mentally knew that I had, it's all on me. It's all, it's, this is up to me to train by myself. I don't think I would do it. Don't tell my coaches that, but like, I don't think I would. Like, how do you keep motivated? It's really funny that you mentioned that because I once had a conversation with somebody, a swimmer, and I was, I was like, how do you, how do you train 20 to 22 hours a week? I was like, that's just unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And she turned it back on me and she said, how do you train by yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, I feel the same way. Yeah. And it was kind of like a two-sided thing where she was like, yeah, training 22 weeks is a lot how like training by yourself is also difficult and so everybody has their difficulties like right now so during school you know we don't have access to the beach so like my main source my main location that I go to train throughout mm-hmm. the winter is closed yeah yeah per se, right like <laughs> doesn't I exist I'm, I'm, yeah it doesn't exist <laughs> um so a lot of the time you know during the winter I'd say 70 percent of my training is cross training year-round and then, you know, during the summer, we get that 30% of the time where we do get to go out in the open water and do paddle boarding and surf ski and train for the, for the activity and the race that we are meant to be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot, of, a lot of adaptation. I think it's really important to kind of reflect a little bit as an athlete, no matter what sport you're in. I commend, um, I was, I've participated in life-saving sport. Um, Jacob and I actually were on a national team together to two two years ago now 
yeah two yeah two th- almost two. Th- yeah two almost, in like a month. almost three yeah. yeah which is crazy like i feel like it was yesterday and it was a, a lot of fun but i commend you and all of the athletes and the teammates i had on that team for the dedication that they put to this sport because like it's it i feel like it can get pretty lonely you know especially in the winter when it's everyone's kind of has those winter blues it's it's too cold to even exist or step outside right so why don't you give us like do you have any tips for kind of really finding that motivation when the going gets tough and especially during this covid time like i feel like training on your own is already can get hard as it is but then having covid on top of it and getting delayed and stuff like that how do you kind of deal with those kind of obstacles that come in the way throughout your training yeah so for me like my uh the one thing that i always want to remember is to make sure that i'm having fun while I'm participating in this sport. Cause that's what brought me into the sport was the fact that I was having fun and enjoying it as a kid, you know? Yeah. And the camaraderie, like our community and life-saving sport is so good. Like we just have so like just solid people, you know, like you can yeah. go up to anybody on the beach, ask them for a hand and anybody, like anybody will drop what they're doing and yeah. come and help you. Like, it's just so good. So much fun. Um, so for me this summer, like I was originally training in January, February for, Italy, the world championships in September of 2020. And when those got canceled, it was kind of like, okay, I'm no longer training. I'm more exercise, yeah. you know, cause training is for, you're training for a specific event. You're working towards a goal of some sort. And that goal for me was the world championships. But now that the world championships were taken away, our national championships were off the table. It became more of a, all right, let's go out and let's have fun with this. Let's do this as a way of just getting out of the house, going out into nature and enjoying it. You know, like I love the ocean. Like I'm like Moana. I just love it, you know? <laughs> um, so that's kind of where for me, I just try and find the positive and everything. Yeah. Somebody can bring me the worst news and you know, it'll suck, but I, I try and, you know, you try and take the best out of it. That's kind of how I get through things. A lot of people can't do that. And that's, that's fine. That's how life goes. And yep. But for me, yeah, it was mostly just like trying to have fun with what I was doing. So this actually this winter, um, I was having trouble for a bit because I was focusing more on school and I wasn't really exercising at all, which is bad, right? That's there's there's a difference that, you know, there's training, there's exercising and there's like the regular amount of exercise that you should be yeah. getting in a day before <laughs> you're like, yeah, right before you're below like the standard. Yeah. And so. I was getting close to below the standard. So I was like, all right, how can I get myself to go out and exercise during these times? And so I actually joined a rock climbing gym just for fun. And, you know, it's good exercise. It's um, incredible upper body and you're working muscles that you've never worked before. Like my forearms were just absolutely fried by the end of the time, like you're done there. And, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but it's just, it's so much fun to try, to try something different and to do something kind of unorthodox that you would never really do. Um, and so for me, that's what I do. I try and find um, activities that are fun and I keep those in my training schedules. You know, there's the stuff that I don't really like doing. Like for me, I, I learned to like swimming, but at one point I really didn't like swimming. So in order to keep my <laughs> schedule balanced, I would do, I love um, hit training, high intensity interval trainings, right? So I would put those in my training on top of the swimming and on top of the weights on top of the running, because that's what I enjoy. So I look forward to those workouts, but it doesn't mean I'm doing them more often. It just means that I'm keeping it in there to keep myself happy. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what rock climbing was for me during this winter was like, this keeps me happy. This keeps me sane. This keeps me wanting to keep training and exercising and doing the thing 
that I love. So yeah, for me, it's just kind of doing, yeah, doing the stuff that's fun and keeping it uh, entertaining. I think that's really important, honestly, doing, especially at this point in everyone's life, I think it's really important to do things that you enjoy that bring you joy. Because at the end of the day, you know, you want to look back on everything that you've done. You're like, if I was upset, if this, if I'm doing something that makes me unhappy that I don't enjoy, then what's the point? Like, if you're not having fun, then what's the point? You know, you're just kind of wasting time. Um, But that's, that's, it's, it's a good thing to do, doing things that you enjoy. I was going to ask you guys, because you, so you guys, from a swimming standpoint, I know a lot of swimmers, um, you know, like you guys are very repetitive in what you do. Mm -hmm. You go back and forth on top of a black line, staring at the bottom of the pool for hours (laughs) on end, just you and your thoughts. Right. So for you guys, I guess, uh, like, I kind of want to flip it around here. Do you, how often do you guys get to do fun practices or like, what do you guys find fun in your swimming practices? That is a great question. (laughs) I, I don't know. I mean, I've been doing the sport since I was six um, and I'm 20 turning 21 this year and I've been doing it for a long time and it does get repetitive. I mean, as you said, like we're, we swim back and forth staring at a black line and it doesn't get any more exciting than that. But for me, I like kind of like what you said, I do it because I enjoy it. And it's like some, there are some practices that are repetitive. Like, let's say we'll do a test set every other month just to see where we're at, see if we've made any progress. And for me, I like looking back at my progress. I like seeing if I'm progressing, even if I'm not, I like to, I like to see it because I've been doing the sport for such a long time. And I like to see where I'm at. I like to see what I'm doing, what's changing. Um, And it just, for me, it's still exciting. And that's why I'm still doing it. I enjoy going to practice every day. Sometimes there there are days where it's hard for sure for everyone, but um, I enjoy competing. I enjoy training a lot. Um, I love the people that I'm training with and I love the coaches that I have that I've met. Um, I do it because I still enjoy it. And some practices are really hard, especially the morning ones. But (laughs) at the end of the day, like I like the the end result is what I'm going for. And whether that's at a meet, a competition, like a like a big one or even our um, like at school collegiately, like at a conference meet or even when I come back home and compete at like a Canadian trials, like I I do it for the competition, you know. And yeah, I think Ariana, because I know you so well, (laughs) I think a lot of I think a lot of it for you is you I noticed that you do really like looking back on where you were let's say a month ago or even yesterday and then mm-hmm. comparing it to where you are today and even if it's not better than what it was from when you're looking back on mm-hmm. you still know where you are and you really like to know kind of what's going on why am I here and not over there why exactly, am I yeah. over there and not over here kind of thing right so mm-hmm. I think that's a really good way to look at it for a lot of people too mm-hmm. and the just the drive that you have to compete I know Jacob has that as well so mm-hmm. um yeah. when there's no competitions to look forward to especially during COVID that that's definitely very difficult oh for sure um for any athlete everybody everybody likes results mm-hmm. yeah everybody likes to see so, their own results but going back to what both of you are saying I think especially for athletes I feel like a lot of us no matter how old we are there's always multiple points in our careers where we forget why we started the sport we forget that the sport that we're doing or whatever we're doing is supposed to be fun and enjoyable. I think a lot of the times we get caught up in the competitiveness and our drive and um, all the, the training and all the sacrifices we make, which is completely okay because 
people, we do sacrifice a lot for what we do and the goals that we want to reach. But at the same time, it can take a really hard toll on the mental and just your overall well-being if you don't step back every once in a while and be like, hey, I didn't do that great today, but I got through the set and, you know, I feel good about it and I love this sport. I started this sport because I love it and I'm still in it because I really enjoy it despite this maybe not so great practice, right? Mm -hmm. And I also think like, some people just fall out of love with, with their sport and it happens. And that's okay too, right? Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. it can, it's hard when um, your sport is everything. When you are so in love for most people, when they, especially when they start out young, their sport is their first love, you know? And it's like, yeah. it's hard to kind of get over something that you love, but it happens, you know, it, at some point, some people really do fall out of love just because they don't enjoy it anymore. They don't have the same passion for it. And that is totally okay. But it's about yeah. coming to terms with it and realizing, hey, you know what? Sometimes it's not the thing that defines me. And there are other things too, you know? That's another, that's a good point. So another story on how I originally got into lifesaving. Mm -hmm. So I was, you know, like I said, like 10 to 14, I was competing just for fun. Just as like, you know, my dad would send me off to this event and I would just go and do it. And it was a good time. Um, but I was, I was playing competitive hockey from ages 11 to 15. I played double A. I was a goalie. Um, and our team did rather well. We were a pretty good team. The problem was that the team that I had joined had previously um, won some championships. So they won the OMHA and OHF wow. championships. Those, yeah, if you're familiar with those terms. So they had won those two years in a row. Is that like, so the, the, is that, it's like provincial, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah OHF is provincial. OMHA is provincial but regional yeah it's like divisional yeah. almost okay okay yeah and uh and so when i joined the team the guys who were on the team had already won their championships they were already you know they had already finished it they were like oh we won like we've we've done what we've that's like that's the highest standard we can reach in the province we can't go any higher so the, yeah. the two years that i was on that team um was difficult for me because i wanted to win those championships i was invested i was ready to go um, and those guys, you know, as much as they, they still competed, they showed up, but a lot of the time, you know, there were some people who goofed off a little bit and there were the people who were like, you know, we've already done this. Like we've already won. And so my last season, that's when I really started to, I was really trying, like I was trying so hard. I was working every single day and, you know, he showed up and some of the guys just weren't really into it. And that's when I knew for me, I was like, you know what, maybe I'm done with competitive hockey. Maybe this is the end for me. And I still do it recreationally. Like I love hockey still but I had to regain that love for it because mm -hmm. after those last two years, I was, I was done. I was like, I don't really want to play hockey anymore. This isn't, this isn't fun for me anymore. Yeah. And so that's kind of when, you know, you start doing it recreationally, you go play pond hockey every once in a while. Um, maybe you even join like a shinny league, but at that point, that's when I kind of moved into life-saving because I still loved life-saving at that point. So mm -hmm. I transferred my interest from um, hockey to life-saving and then ever since then i've just been focusing on life-saving but uh yeah you can uh, yeah i know the feeling of falling out of love with a sport and it really sucks like it's really it's really unfortunate uh, yeah. when people don't find the fun and interest in uh, in what they're doing yeah for sure and i'm kind of going back to what you said about kind of falling out of love with it do you think it's because of the people you were surrounded by like at that point like when you I don't know like what what was the defining like when did you realize like hey I don't really like it anymore yeah so for me it was um it was the people that I was surrounded by 
Yeah. Because on mm-hmm. the team, I was going into a team where I didn't really have friends. I didn't really know anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I was jumping up. I went from, I played AE for three years. And then for my last two years, I played double A. Mm-hmm. And so that was when, um, you know, things changed for me. Because I was playing in AE. It was kind of the same group of guys every year. Right. And then moving up to double A now, all the, everybody changes. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was more the people I was around. I wasn't really enjoying, um, the atmosphere. you know, like, yeah, like the locker room talk, you know, it's kind of, yeah. it's different with a different group of, group of guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it was, it was the people that made it unenjoyable. Cause the next year when I went back and I started playing house league and it was just for fun, it was just like with some guys that I like guys that you play with along the way or not now all in house league or people, you know, from high school, um, it became yeah. a lot more enjoyable. Like we were losing my team was the worst in house league we were, we were last place <laughs> mm-hmm. but it was because you know i was still having fun with what i was doing and it kind of brought the joy back into into the sport for me but mm-hmm. i would say um yes it was uh yeah definitely the people you're surrounded by affects yeah. affects it like my coach so when i was in i trained in australia um for two months leading into the um 2018 competition in australia that my and i um, were both on the team for and my coach um was telling me because I, w- I wasn't the greatest swimmer at the time and you know it, it wasn't a surprise like he was like yeah like you're gonna have to do some work here and I showed up and he was like Jacob here's what you got to do you have to try and keep up with the person next to you he goes you have to try and beat him he goes he doesn't know that you're trying to beat him but you'll know and you know when you try and push that was kind of his atmosphere for everybody so you know as you start to swim and as you get better that person is now going to try and beat you and then you're trying to beat them although it was never said like i'm gonna beat you in this race it's just known that you know you don't let the person in the lane beside you beat you mm-hmm. yeah and so that was when you know that's where the competition comes in that's where it's like all right now who's gonna win this race who's gonna come in first and every single every single set every single rep is now a race but we never you know you never discuss it between people you're you're never in a in a verbal combat with these people you're not chirping them it's just known that yep. you have to beat that next person. Mm-hmm. And so everybody pushes themselves that much harder to try and beat the person next to them. And yeah, that's what, for me, that's what just like made it great. And, you know, sometimes like, you know, I, I take in like the Mamba mentality. And so you have to push friends sometimes. And sometimes it does take verbals. Sometimes you have to piss somebody off to try and get a good training session. You know, that's like a little bit of tension, you know, it builds like, yeah. you know, you're like you're trying to beat that next person. And that's what pushes you um, to to be great, you know? Yeah, for sure. But that's great. Like, I keep, every time you're, you're telling a story, I, I just think about having to do all of that by myself. And mm. <laughs> that's, like, I seriously commend you for doing that um, because I know I know how hard you work and it, it takes a lot to do it, especially when a lot of it is on your own. But going back to the whole aspect of fun and doing it, because we love it I think every athlete will experience a time where they are not in love with the sport you know they're they're, if you are very committed and dedicated and have big goals for your sport though there will come a time where you're just over it you know where training just isn't the same you're not having a good time whatever so I think what's important is that it's important to recognize and acknowledge that be okay with it take a step back and then see what you can, you need to do to be able to find that love again and get back into that training groove and feel good again about what you're doing and why you're doing it. Right. 
Yeah. And it happens every once in a while. Like for me in life-saving, um, I'll like on a like regular occurrence, I feel like in November, October, November, I usually get into a slump. I'm like, man, okay. Like, what am I going to do now? Training? Like, you know, I'm training for a competition that's, you know, 11 months away yeah. or 10, 11 months away. And I'm like, all right, well, what, you know, what am I really looking forward to? And so, you know, people always talk about smart goals and having those like, you know, timely measurable goals. And it, that's really important because if you don't have something that's within sights, you're going to start to, you know, you're going to start to hit that downslope. I know why I've had my fair share of slumps. So I don't know about you, Ariana. <laughs> it's hard. Sometimes you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I feel especially with COVID um, with no competitions yeah. in sight for any athlete, um, even not knowing when you're going to get back to training. That's really hard to see the kind of the, the main, the main goal, your main goal at the end of the day, like for all the athletes who have been training for the Olympics, like how do you stay motivated when one, you don't know if it's going to continue, it's been postponed. Um, and two, you know, when, like, especially at the beginning of the lockdown, um, when can I get back to training? Like first for swimmers, especially like swimming is a total, it's a field sport. So if you're not in the water constantly and you're not maintaining that feel of the water, how do you stay focused? How do you stay motivated? It's hard to do it. Yeah. I've and never heard anybody explain it like that, a feel sport, but I really like that. From the outside, it's really hard to understand the concept of swimming, even life-saving. I found it anyways, like not being in the water, it's just different. It's not the yeah. same as not going on a run for like a week or something like that. It's, it's just not the same. Um, but that is true. Like it, it's, it's definitely hard, especially both of our sports of so swimming and life-saving. They're not things that you can just walk across the street and do like basketball or baseball or soccer like you need the pool right like you don't yeah. just have a pool anywhere and if it's cold outside and it's winter you can't use it yeah. right so um, you can train all you want during the winter in like outside of the water by doing weights running yeah high intensity interval training right training your lungs but at the end of the day it's it's really not, not the same. event yeah it's not it's not the yeah. event yeah good point exactly but yeah so you are a current student, right? You're in your second year? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. You've mentioned many times before, and just from my personal knowledge, um, like we said before, life-saving is abroad in many other different places across the world, around the world. So I'm sure you've traveled a lot for not only competitions, but to train because in Canada, you only have access to a beach for so long. So being a student, what was school like for you since you had to go away so much for competitions and training. So did you ever just stop, like pull out of school to be able to do that? Or did you just tell your teachers that you were going to be gone for a while? Like how, how do you cope with missing so much important information so that you can succeed at being a student yeah. athlete? Yeah, absolutely. Sports interfered with school or school interfered with sports, um, depending on how you look at it. So in 2018, I had to choose whether I wanted to go to Australian train for the world championships or go off to university. And so, yeah, so that's no little big, decision. Yeah. Big life decision. So I chose to take the year off instead okay. of trying to manage doing sport and school at the same time. Um, Cause the competition was from November 27th to December 3rd, I believe. So it was right around exam time. And I just did, I felt like that was going to be a that was going to be a hassle. So I took my first year 
off. And so I traveled or I was in Australia. I was on the Gold Coast for two months. And then I went over to Adelaide for a month. For me, I have a hard time doing both. If I'm doing athletics, then my school marks are bound to drop. But if I'm not doing athletics, I can hold a solid average in school. Mm -hmm. And so for me, in my mind, I just have to accept one or the other because I know I can do I know I can do school well if I'm not doing athletics. But the minute I add in athletics, I, I have to accept in my mind, I'm like, okay, my marks are bound to drop. So, yeah, so for me, that's kind of where I, I balance off the two. There's, you know, there's, I know, like, it's like, you can put almost make an equation out of it. You know how much your marks are going to drop based on the amount of training that you're doing. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, you know, like, it's, it's hard for me because I, I enjoy getting good grades and I think it's important. But at the same time, I love athletics and I love to do life-saving sport. And so for me, I'm just kind of, you know, in your mind, you have to debate. You're like, okay, which one's more important? Um, and at this time, which one do I prioritize? And yeah. so right now I'm prioritizing athletics, but it doesn't mean that I'm giving up on school. It's just, I'm going to have less time. Like, you know, that 12 hours, 14, 16 hours that I'm doing training was once my study time. So you got to prioritize, I guess. Yeah. And I think that's, I think Ariane and I have talked about this before on here, but um, yeah, the time management is probably one of the hardest things that everybody, even if you're not an athlete, like I feel like time management is a thing in everybody's life, but especially when you're a high performance athlete, you're going to have to sacrifice some things, you know, not just maybe quality of grades. And that's not to say that you should do your sport and then let your grades be like a just passing grade. That's not what I'm saying at all. But even your like a social life, you have less time to do those kinds of things. And that's one of the sacrifices you make, but you do it because you have these goals and you know, that's, that's what you want to do. That's what you want to do. Yeah. Cause if you didn't want to do it, you, you could just not do it. You're wasting your time. (laughs) Really? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So going back to the beginning of the podcast, uh, Jacob, you said it was a life-saving sport is a humanitarian sport, which is very true because life-saving is something that's really important, whether you're at the pool or on a beach, even just first aid in general, like it's, it's very important and it's a, it can be a high stress job. So because that makes, that's what makes life-saving so different from other sports, why is it so important and how do you see it benefiting society as a whole when people do participate and decide to get into life-saving sport yeah um so the one i heard this phrase somewhere and i absolutely love this um that those who participate in life-saving sport were, were lifesavers first yeah you know you you yeah got that qualification because you wanted to be a part of the community that had the skill to help somebody who was in need um whether it be on land or in water um, but you have those skills to help someone. And so everybody there is very, you know, everybody's there to help. Yeah. Everybody, that's that's the kind of people that they are. That's like the importance of it is that you you hold those skills before you are an athlete. Yeah. You you kind of you you have those skills and you have those values, but then you're like, oh, I can kind of just compete and just have fun with it. So yeah, exactly. Right which I think yeah. is really cool. Um, and because this sport is so small here and it's like huge in a country like Australia, like it's basically yeah. their hockey for us. So do you think it's it's um, something that people should consider looking into and even joining because it is just so versatile and really chill, but also, you know, competitive and just it benefits everybody. So why do you think people should join and where do you think 
they can start if they decide that they, this is something they want to go forward with. Yeah, absolutely. I think people should join because there's just so many options that you can do, right? Like, yeah. like I said, like if you're a former swimmer, if you once ran, um, if you are interested in learning how to paddleboard, it's good for stability and strength. And the great thing about it is that you don't have to do it at a competitive level. You know, yeah, we, exactly. it, it's, it's a recreational sport. You can do this just for fun, just to keep in shape. A lot of our athletes are past swimmers or past runners who still want that outlet to go and compete um, just in a different way. Because, you know, maybe maybe they did lose the love for the sport they were doing, but we can reintroduce it to them in a different way and kind of yeah. adding some things like flippers. Swimmers, yeah. like, well, they never get to use flippers in a competition. So, like, now you're actually able to race them. Like, yeah. it adds a whole new component. People get excited about it. It's fun. And that's what I think is just so great about it is that there's something for everybody. And, you know, you, you don't have to be good at it because that's the whole point is that you get you can get better over time. Right. So like one of our national team members, um, her name is Jules Desjardins. I believe it took her three years to be able to paddle around the course without falling in. Once she was able to do that, she then made the national team. You know what I mean? Like so, it took her three years yeah. to learn and then she made the national team. So and to stay committed it, for that long to, to learn how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And so some people, you know, it, it takes longer than others. It, it's, it takes time for different people, but at the same time, you might be able to pick it up fast and it's a challenge. It's something new. It's something different. And if you do want to push yourself to out of your comfort zone, I'd say life-saving sport is a, is a really, really good way to do that. So we're going to ask you one last question, one question, and then another question just for fun. You say, what is this final jeopardy? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, Place your bets. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're going to ask you, what does this sport mean to you? Mm, a great question. I don't know if any, like I've ever been asked that question. Um, oh. But for me, like it keeps me, this is the only way, the way that I stay active. For me, it's, that's how I, I can still train for something. You know, you see a lot of guys my age coming out of, you know, sports they once did recreationally. And, you know, for them, it's like, oh, once you hit 18 years old or 19, 20 years old and you haven't made it to the NHL, say for hockey, you know, they're like, oh, well, I'm done. Or they'll go to college and play hockey at college. But for but a lot of the time they just fall off. And, you know, that's the only thing they've ever done. And so they don't know they don't know what else to do. So a lot of the time they might take that time and they'll go to the gym. And they'll start pumping weights, you know, and that's, that's their outlet. Mm -hmm. So for me, this is my, this is kind of my outlet to stay involved in recreational activity at a, at a competitive level. Right. Uh, so for me, like, you know, when I go out for a paddle, like the word, uh, the way I describe it is beautiful. It is so beautiful. You know, you go out and I paddled out of Ajax, Ajax, Ontario, and we'll go out and, you know, we'll go out when the sun's rising or when the sun's setting and you get these beautiful views, like the sun's setting, right? Um, it'll set right over top of, you can see from where we paddle out of, you can see the CN Tower. And so the sun will set right behind the CN Tower. And if you get the right clouds on the right day, you know, the sky is like purple, it's like pink, beautiful. And so for me, as much as like, you know, you're out there training, your environment is just, you know, exhilarating. Like it's so, it's just so beautiful to be mm -hmm. able to do that. And even like surfing a wave, like you're rushing through and um, I think it was Rob Machado um, who once described, he's a professional surfer, um, now soul surfer. He, he said, you know, 
his first time surfing, you go down the wave and you see all these elements rushing by you. And it's just the most exhilarating feeling, you know, like it gets you excited, it gets you happy. You can't help but smile. Even in a race, you know, you catch this sweet wave, like, and you just, you smile because it's exciting. It's fun. It's, it's just so like, it's, it's just amazing. I, I find it just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you like, say it's, it's a very big part of your life. And if it was taken away, that would be very difficult or. Yeah. I'd say I would, I would have a hard time dealing with, uh, with that reality for a little bit. Yeah. It's for such, sure. Like, I don't know for me, life-saving is such an out of body experience, you know, cause it you is, have the, you, yeah. have, you have the beauty of training and working like a high performance athlete, but you also get to do it in these, you know, this, in these beautiful areas where you can take the time, you know, where in, on your rests, you look around and you just go, man, this is beautiful. Like I get to train outside sunny day and it's just so good. You know, like, I don't know for me, like, I just, I love that feeling. Um, and it makes me happy. I know. Yeah. Sorry. I, just, I get really excited about this. No, that's um, great. And it should, and it yeah. should yeah. like, as like you, we kind of, we talked about it before. Like if, if you're doing something that doesn't bring you joy, that doesn't make you happy, then why are you doing it? You know, to yeah. find it's important to find beauty in life, especially in your sport where you're devoting so much time, so much effort um, into something. You want to be able to say, hey, this is beautiful. This is exciting. This makes me happy. So that's amazing. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Final question. Kind of fun, kind of fresh. If you had to choose one hype song, what would it be? Oh, so I actually, I have a short. (laughs) So uh, the answer is Dreams and Nightmares by Meek Mill. Okay. 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 (laughs) <laughs> when I was in Australia, uh, my so when we were in Australia, I had a ski final. My surf ski final was coming up, um, I and I was hoping for a top ten finish. I was like really pushing. I was like, I really want this, and I had two of the swimmers who weren't doing anything um, at the time. They came out to me and they were like, "Hey, Jacob, what can we do for you to help you prepare for this race?" And I said, "To be honest, I need you guys to get me a phone. I need you to get me a cell phone." And he goes, why? I was like, just trust me, just get me a cell phone. So he brings home, brings over his cell phone. And I said, I need you to look up um, Dreams and Nightmares by Meek Mill for me. And I, like, I think it was two minutes before my race, or no, it must have been five minutes because we had some time. Um, they played the song and I basically just held it up to my ear. And the three of us just sat in a circle, just getting pumped and excited for this race <laughs> while listening to the song. Because it starts off slow, you know, like it starts off like really nice and then just hits at one point. It just starts going absolutely nuts and yeah yeah dreams and nightmares by meek mail it still is to this day to be honest yeah thank you thank you thank you jacob for joining us we had a great time getting to know you and the life-saving sport thank you for joining us yeah thank you guys for having me i had lots of fun i'm i'm glad ariana did you have a good time I had a great time. This was great. I'm, okay. <laughs> I, I'm so glad. But again, thank you for bearing with us and making it to the end of this episode. And we will see you next time. For Bye. Sure. Bye. Bye.